Welcome to Together We Rise, the podcast. I'm Maxine, your host, spiritual guide, healer, and intuitive. This is a place for deep interdimensional dives, unpacking our world systems, paradigms, and what it is that we each can be doing to start recreating them. Each episode, I'll be joined by changemakers from an array of backgrounds, ranging from holistic wellness to activism to human rights equality, medical freedom, spiritual teachers, conscious business, and everything in between. Because they all have one common intention, and that is to actualize humanity's potential to thrive. So let's welcome today's beautiful guest. I am going to pass it over to her straight away because I know that she has a wealth of knowledge. And as I always like to begin, I just like to ask the question, you know, what sparked your interest in this particular space? Thanks, Maxine. I'm really happy to be on your podcast and um, sharing this really important message with all your followers. So first thing I'd like to do is just share a bit of my story so that people um, have a better idea of who I am and why I got involved in this movement. So my name is Renat and back in 2006, I was handpicked to be a marketer that was in the core team of releasing the 3G service in Australia. It was the first time that Australia would be covered, like 98% would be covered in 3G. <laughs> and at the time, I thought I was doing a really great thing, um, giving people, you know, a whole lot of things on wireless that we previously couldn't do. We were suddenly able to do picture messaging, uh, make and stream videos and access the internet. Cameras were in, in handsets and they were starting to take off and there was emails on the go. And I was responsible for marketing that to the public and getting them excited about the 3G service. And we did that. It cost a billion dollars. It was five times faster, a hundred times geographically bigger than any other 3GSM mobile network we'd ever had in this country. And it was a huge undertaking and a very controversial one. And one thing that most people don't understand is that internally we were sold the exact same story that we were selling to the public. We were offered these handsets and we could have these first time experiences and we were excited to give that out to the public. But one thing um, led to another and a few months after this uh, network was released, I started receiving research coming on my desk. Um, because part of what I was doing was looking at values and developing marketing campaigns. And I started to see that almost 40%, it was 38% at the time, of my market were concerned about the health effects. And so naturally, I went to my executive director, which um, I would have had this meeting regardless, but we had this meeting and I pointed it out to her. And the, the thing that she said to me was, um, you need to get your foot out of the door and get your head back in the game. And I remember this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, what, don't, what have I missed here? Something's wrong. Why, why is this so easily dismissed? So I went to see a friend of mine in the research team. And at the time, he didn't really want to address my question. I said, what do you know that I don't? And in a, short, in a nutshell, what he said was that we are self-regulating our safety. And I said, sorry? And what I went in you know, to this whole rabbit hole knowing at that moment, I started to research. I knew in my gut something was wrong, but what I didn't know what exactly he meant. And what he meant was that the telcos are setting their own standards when it comes to safety. And I was so mortified. I even now kind of like makes me choke up remembering that moment. And it does every single time I talk about it because it's such a painful memory realizing that you never 
questioned industry, the one that you were working for. And um, so it led me down a rabbit hole, obviously. And I found out that there were so, there was so much research showing biological effects and it was haunting me. And so after a four week period, I said to my husband, he's Swiss. And I said, I need to get on a runaway train and I need to quit. I asked so many questions internally and I was, you know, basically stonewalled every time. And I said, I need to get out of here. And so I left Australia. Um, I moved away for nine years and just watched as they released 4G and kept up to date with the research and watched the corruption and, and digged deeper into this corruption. And when I moved back, I had a little boy, my husband um, and I decided to move to Byron Bay. And I went to my first farmer's market and I got handed a stock 5G flyer. And um, that's where my husband gave me a bit of a nudge and said, well, this is um, something you've always wanted to make right, so do it. And that's what I've been doing for the last 15 months. Every single day um, is blowing the whistle on what the industry do know, but don't tell you, and also what they cover up. And that is safety. There is no safety from these mobile devices for children, they've never been tested for safety. Not an iPad, not an iPhone has ever been tested for safety on a child using their current safety standard, which is um, the reason I started a, camp a campaign called We Are Not Sam. Um, Sam stands for Specific Anthropomorphic Mannequin, and that is what your mobile phones are tested on, a plastic dummy filled with liquid. And, um, and they test him on a six-minute call and he's based on a six foot adult male military recruit. So they took a head shape of a military recruit, filled it up with liquid water. And they said, well, if it doesn't heat up more than one degree Celsius, that phone is deemed safe for the market. And that's not the, that's not the head shape of 97% of the population, which means no child um, would pass a biological test when it comes to, you know, mobile phone safety. And so this is really why I do what I do. It's to protect children. It's to protect the next generation who are not considered whatsoever when it comes to mobile phone safety. So the we are not Sam message is very simply to boycott 5G phones and to have real safety standards, not dummy standards, which is how they've gotten away all these decades with releasing wireless devices that are so harmful. There's over 2000 peer reviewed reports that show that um, wireless radiation has negative biological consequences and the industry ignore it. The um, industry bodies are being paid by the telco industry. This, this is a major corruption in this country and beyond. And it's a global problem. And what we are doing as part of the Northern Rivers for Safe Technology is we are advocating for real safety standards. In other words, if we actually have a safety test, which is available, that does pass for children, and that has devices that do pass a proper testing method, then we will have safe technology on the market. But at the moment, how could we have safe technology on the market when it's tested on a plastic dummy? So I might just take a breather and see what Maxine has to ask. But no. um, I feel like I've sort of gotten carried away with just talking. No, no, no. Um, again, you will always get what you need to hear within that. And you can tell that you're very passionate about this and that you have a wealth of knowledge and that, you know, it's well overdue to start getting this out to the mainstream where possible. And I just want to go back a couple of steps, though, because you said that when you were in Byron at that farmer's market, you received mm. that 5G 
fire. And it's almost like that was your tap from the universe to say, hello, <laughs> uh, you haven't forgotten about what you're here to do and what you're here to facilitate. And I love those stories and those moments because it's relatable. Everyone has yeah. them. And it's just maybe at the time we're not aware as to why it's coming up the way that it's coming up, but it's then what we do with that. And one of the questions that I have, because I know that this will be going through a lot of people's minds, you know, there's 3G, there's 4G, now we're coming to 5G. I've heard talk of a 6G and a 7G beyond this, if this really does, you know, get the legs to run away. And for a lot of people, it's like they hear the words, but what does it actually mean? What, what is the difference between these technologies and do they need each other to be able to continue working? So does, for example, 3G still run when 5G is running or is it that you turn it off or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with what is 5G beyond just a name. It is obviously fifth generation technology. It's the, the newest iteration of um, the current mobile network that interconnects our mobile phones and other internet driven devices. So it will operate alongside earlier generations of cellular signaling systems. So 2G, 3G, 4G. It will be used primarily though for transmitting data to and from devices. So um, what happens now is that telecommunications companies worldwide with the support of their governments are rolling out fifth generation wireless networks. And this is set to, I guess, deliver what is acknowledged currently to be unprecedented societal change on a global scale. And this is where people are being misled because they think it's just a faster internet option. It's not. We will have smart homes, and I'll explain what smart means in just a moment. We will have smart homes, smart businesses, smart highways, smart cities, self-driving cars. And what that actually means is that virtually everything we own and buy, whether it's a refrigerator, a washing machine, a milk carton, a diaper, a hairbrush, will contain an antenna and a microchip, and it will be connected wirelessly to the internet. So that in itself... Um, is very concerning from a surveillance point of view, but I won't touch on that just yet. What I wanna finish off by saying with 5G, and this is really important, is that it is millimeter wave frequencies where, you know, which was previously used for crowd control. And this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a fact you can find it out for yourself. Millimeter waves um, do not travel easily through buildings. So 5G will require millions of new small cell antennas. They're called small cells. And they are backpack size antennas to transmit data to and from mobile devices. Whereas in the past, there have been, a you know, there's a tall phone tower off in the distance. Now, what will happen with 5G is there will be antennas being placed on utility poles and lamp posts just outside our homes, beaming signals into second floor bedrooms. This is really the ground-based version of 5G. What else is really concerning is that we're also going to have the space version of 5G, so ground and space version. Um, and again, space version that they're proposing is around 20,000 satellites in low to medium Earth's orbit, and that will blanket the Earth with powerful focus, steerable beams. This is sci-fi for most people, but I mean, this is readily available by industry to read for yourself. It will irradiate every area on earth 
that can't be reached by other transmitters. We're talking oceans, the Antarctic, the forests, everything that we hold sacred, that we can get away to disconnect the ocean will be radiated. It is unprecedented. And that is why 5G is not like any other previous network. It is far beyond in terms of the, the range of its wave, the range of what it can do in terms of surveillance. And also, you know, given that we have biological health effects from this radiation, it's going to irradiate us in places where we go to switch off. It's, it's quite alarming. And, you know, this is, in my opinion, the greatest threat to life. And it is, it is something that we need to rise up and, and speak out against. And this is exactly why we do what we do. Mm. And that's so important. It's like, you don't know what you don't know, but then once you know, it's like, then you have a choice and the power comes back to the people every time because there will always be more of us than there are of the ones that govern these things. But we have to be willing to do the research and to look into things. And I'm really grateful that there are people like you out there that are willing to stand up because I know that that's not always an easy thing to do but if people are listening to this and they're going okay wow I didn't know that this was you know that this was really what the technology was about is there something that they can still actively do be doing right now within their own communities what would you suggest for people if they're concerned about this and they're like I actually don't want this rolled out in my community or I don't want this is there anything that they can be doing yes few things that come up with that question first of all I never dreamed I would be an activist. I never envisaged that. I, it's a calling when you feel the desire to make change, positive change. It is far more important than any role you can play. It's also part of the role you play as a parent because your, your children see you as a hero and, and stepping up to the plate is, is a big part of that too. But activism is the first thing I wanted to address. Here in the Byron Shire in the Northern Rivers of, of Australia, a bunch of us, and it was really less than two handfuls, got together and said, we're going to get Australia's first 5G moratorium, which means we're going to put a halt on a tower that they want to upgrade in the smallest, gorgeous town, which is the heart of Byron Shire, and it's called Mullumbimby. I think they call it the smallest, largest town in Australia. I can't remember the exact name, but um, <laughs> we we were petitioning council for a year. We did protest. This is before COVID, obviously, and um, and and we we managed to get a unanimous vote from our councillors that that tower that was going up on Darley Street needed to have a moratorium because. Telstra couldn't provide after one year that there were no long-term side effects from this technology. They couldn't provide it to council. And so therefore we went into council, into chambers. We were there for so many hours and they finally voted unanimously that we got our moratorium. This was on the 19th of March, 2020 this year. One month later on the 22nd of April, Telstra rocked up with 5G equipment to do an upgrade on that tower during our lockdown. And hundreds of people from the community who said, no, we don't want this tower, came to the site. And there was, you know, mainstream media reporting it and telling the world that we weren't adhering to COVID safety and putting lives at risk. But what we were doing was we were looking after our community and what we as a community had the right to do, which is to object to a technology that we didn't want in this town. And back and forth with ACMA, which is the Australian Communications Media Authority, that's the watchdog of the telcos, that spent a month investigating this and gave Telstra a slap on the wrist and said, well, you're okay to go now. And it was so disheartening because we got the first moratorium and we did everything by the book. 
And because we got that moratorium, this leads me to the next thing, which is that since then, since they arrived on the 22nd of April, we're approaching 18 weeks tomorrow. We have had 24 hour vigil at that tower constantly being monitored so that those technicians who have tried multiple times now to come can be scared away in a way, you know, just to see that we are there and we're not going to let them upgrade that tower. That is such dedication to this cause. And obviously not every community in the world is capable of, you know, monitoring their towers and, and standing up to the telco industry. It's a really big task. And because we received that first moratorium, we feel a responsibility to that tower and to honouring what our community wants. So essentially, I guess the next major point would be that um, we developed as a result a 44-page strategy kit, which is the A to Z of how you in your communities can stand up together, go to council, petition your councillors, petition with your community to say, we do not want that tower. It's got everything from speeches to letters to legal notices to what you can do as an activist in your own home to protect your children and your families from wireless radiation, all the tips. It's a 44 page document, which is really the Bible of how you can research 5G, get involved with 5G, the letters you can write. It, it is an easy guide and it's available on, you can go to, we are not Sam. Um, well, the Instagram page we are not Sam, and if the link is in the bio, you can easily access it there. And I'll send it to Maxine so you can also feature link it, it as part of the link for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but essentially, what we're talking about is activism, we're talking about engaging with your communities, and in as much as this might sound like an easy thing to do, but you need to start by talking with your circle first. And most people are too afraid to do that. They don't want judgment on Facebook or wherever it might be, even in their own families. And they avoid bringing up the hard topics, especially now in this current society with everything feels so heated. But unless we can raise awareness, unless we can talk about what is right and what is wrong in this world, unless we can raise awareness, we cannot create positive change when we sit back and hope for something to change. And Mickey Willis did a great interview recently where he said, he's the guy that um, directed the pandemic film. And he said, he doesn't believe in hope anymore. Mm. He believes in knowing, in knowing that something needs to be better and doing something about it. Hope he says is overrated. And I tend to agree with that because I think we're living in the times right now where we need so much more than hope. We need we need the knowingness to act and the fearlessness to do it. And that is such a big task for humanity right now. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more because it's, you know, we all wait for someone to go first and it's like now is the time for us all to go in together and not just be like, oh, well, someone else will do it. And I think you just mentioned that before because we don't have the time for that anymore. It really is at that tipping point where we've got to start taking action because, you know, and I'm by no means someone that focuses on doom and gloom. I always look at what is this here to teach us? What is this asking for us to evolve through and beyond and to, but at the same time, we can only evolve if we're willing to actually take on what it is that this particular point in time is teaching us and offering us. We've got to do something with that. And that is the action that is the getting like you said, with our communities, with our people, because again, hard conversations are something we've been taught to shy away from. 
And it doesn't mean we have to make each other wrong, but even just having leading conversations where we can have just leading questions. Because for some people, this is really, whoa, this feels scary. So we don't want to look at things that instill fear within us. So having the, hey, have you ever considered? Have you ever looked at it from this angle? You know, how does that make you feel? Because when we ask people, that's almost an invitation as opposed to us wanting them to do something um, you know, because we know the answers or we have the facts and the information. So I just feel that that is really important to weave into that as people are listening, that you have the opportunity to be the ones that go first and together. It doesn't have to be you by yourself. And that's, you know, the reason that I want to bring people like Renat on because she's showing us what it looks like when you are able to rally your people and what is possible and we've got to be doing that within our own communities and that's where we get to bridge with the larger communities so i'd just love for you to yeah share anything you feel like is left unsaid and if you have some things that you would like people to implement after this conversation then that would be amazing as well sure um i think some tips at home i think a lot of people would like to know well what can i do to protect myself i know that the usual response is what can i do at home and then from there, they start to understand behaviours and changes within their home dynamic, um, especially when they see mood changes and people reacting differently to less radiation in their home. And then they take that out into their communities and talk about it. And I think that's a really good place to start. So um, when I say start um, at home, you know, that also revolves around the conversation that you just said as well, Maxine, like having those discussions with your family and how they feel about what's happening and, and how they can start readjusting certain things in their lives, I think is really, really important, especially today. So one of the things, um, and you probably uh, can see this, Maxine, but those for, for those listening, I've got what's called a wired cable. You can get Ethernet cables. So that's the difference between wireless no wire and wired so it might seem a little old school for a lot of people but your internet's actually a lot faster and um and you don't have the biological you know um dangers that are associated with wi-fi so some of the most important things to do is to find out um and to look into hardwiring cable connection preferably shielded cables if you can, um, instead of wireless devices for computers. So whether that's, you know, your printers, your baby monitors, um, you know, game consoles, etc. these things emit um, a lot of wireless radiation. So switch them off when you're not using them, especially at night time. If you're going to continue using Wi-Fi, please turn it off at night um, and have your phone on airplane mode with location services switched off. One thing that I usually say that gets people's attention is that your phone in one minute will send 900, it'll have 900 handshakes to the phone tower a minute. Whether you are on your phone or whether you are surfing on your phone or not, just to locate you and make sure you're still where you are, where your phone is, um, it's 900 signals a minute pulses. So please be aware that when your phone is on with location services is off and aeroplane mode is on that 900 can't happen. So that's why it's really important to have that on um, when you're not using your phone, especially at night. So the next thing would be, um, and this is a big one for me as a mother, and that is to avoid baby monitors. Um, these things are so dangerous um, and, you know, they're only a short distance away from your child. So, 
if for those of you that haven't researched baby monitors, this will come as a shock, but please consider not using one. Um, also, iPads for children, they've never been tested for safety and they are just basically oversized mobile phones that have what's called omnidirectional, which means the radiation goes in every single direction towards their body and every which way outside. So getting your children accustomed to being on an iPhone or an iPad at an early age, what we know is that children's bone marrow absorb 10 times more than an adult and their brain. So they've got more fluid in their brain. They absorb twice as much radiation than an adult. So I urge parents, especially listening to think twice before giving your children an iPad or an iPhone. This is like a drug. It is designed for addiction and it is also so harmful in terms of the bio. That's why children behave so differently after getting off a device. It does interfere with their natural networks. So consider that as well. So these are a few things, I guess, that you can do um, at home. Hardwire, aeroplane mode and location services off so that, hands, that handshake's not happening. Baby monitors off and keep devices away from children. I think if, if we can start with those things at home and notice the differences just from that alone, um, then that would be pretty incredible. So another thing to notice about phones, you can see this in your own user guide, is that they're recommended to be a few millimetres away from your body, which means current compliance to using a phone, manufacturers tell you in their user guide, is not to have it basically on the body, which is where most people carry their phones. Against their ear, they're talking and in their pocket when they're walking. And that's actually against compliance. And unfortunately, that's how most people use their phones. So speakerphone, headsets, obviously a far better approach than keeping the phone on the body. This is really dangerous stuff. So those are some of the key things that you can start doing today, looking into wired connections and taking all those little um, tips about what you can do at home. And also this is on um, our strategy kit on page 40. So if anyone wants to read more about what they can do at home, they can download the strategy kit. Again, it's on the bio of We Are Not Sam on Instagram and it's on page 40 and it's a whole list of things to get you started, which is, which is really great. <laughs> You've made my job so easy today because you just flow. As you can tell, she's used to having these conversations because that was <laughs> going to be my final question. If people want to find you, where can they go? But as you've just mentioned, Instagram, We Are Not Sam. And I will link that when this goes live so that you guys can just go straight there via the link. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is a conversation that, as I mentioned at the very beginning, is well overdue and needed. And I know that this is going to, yeah, really be something of value to a lot of people that are just kind of opening themselves up to what this is all about and what they can actually do. Because I, once you know, you don't want to just sit back and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll just we'll just wait and see how that goes. So I really appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Maxine. And I just want to finish off by saying that um, the fight back does start here. And one of my favourite quotes is from um, Dr. Martin Paul, and he says, putting in tens of millions of 5G antenna without a single biological test of safety has to be about the stupidest idea anyone has had in the history of the world. And so what we're doing is we are fighting stupid. And I think that just to leave this on a lighter note, um, I am sure that we will win. Um, but we're in this for the long haul. And so I want everyone to buckle up and to start doing their little bit. So 
thank you so much, Maxine, for, for doing your part in this too. I really appreciated being on your podcast. <laughs> now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here with me and wanting to do your part in recreating the status quo. If you got something out of today's episode, I would love if you could leave me a review and forward this on to anyone that you feel would benefit or even share it on your socials. I just want to close by saying I appreciate you. And until next time, remember that together we truly do rise.